Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General state's pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. That little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Hey, Heroes fans, if you like this show, then check out The Adam Carolla Show every weekday on Podcast One. The Ace Man still holds the title of the number one daily downloaded podcast in the world as he complains about whatever's on his mind with his celebrity pals like Drew Pinsky, Doug Benson, and many, many more. Check out The Adam Carolla Show at Podcast One at Apple Podcasts. Also, remember to rate and review. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 83120. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Shirewolves owe us lunch money, and we will be taking it at that event. Whitworth, the system, the clock, Harla, none of these guys can get in front of my destiny.
What's up, sweaties? It's episode 248 of Collider Heroes. It's Memorial Day. Let's get sweaty by talking about the DC universe, the Marvel universe, all the different phases, all the different everything. You're watching Heroes. That's right. We're going to get really sweaty. We're going to talk about all that fun stuff a lot more. What are we, we're not going to talk about Solo because that just came out. Solo, baby. Hey, that's right. Solo <laughs> just came out. A lot of us just saw that Star Wars movie. A lot of us got into it. But we're not going to talk about Solo this week. We're going to wait another week until you've seen it. Everyone needs to see that film. What we are going to talk about is Marvel and DC and what's happening with all of their streaming services, movies. What do you think, Robert? Amy, thanks for being on the show. What do you think, Robert? Start. You know, it's crazy. Well, I, I think that it's nice to see these companies branching out and taking more ownership I mean, you know, they're going to keep it under their own umbrella. Marvel's already done that. DC is kind of, you've had the CW and the movies. But I I think we're going to see closer, they're going to protect their properties more. That's why I'm looking so forward to Titans, for instance, on the DC Universe. Because I think that that Jeff Johns being the ultimate DC sweaty that he is, and he's overseeing the Titans. And I I know, I've heard it from him over dinner one night Mm -hmm. a long time ago, how much he loves the Titans. So I'm expecting great things. And I'm, I'm... I'm hoping that's what we're going to see more of, more diversity in terms of where they're going to come and and take material from. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll get a Kid Eternity series. What do you think, Amy? (laughs) Uh, This is our our big look forward into the future. Uh, I'm very excited about, like, uh, on the DC side, the, the stuff that they're putting in motion. It's hard to say what results we're going to get from a brand new service with brand new series coming out. But, like, it really, like... Choosing Swamp Thing to put at the forefront certainly has my attention. Uh, I I think there's there's a lot to be excited about. You know what? I'm excited about. Like, move that mic a little bit so we can see. You're wearing a T-shirt, and so Robert, you're wearing a T-shirt, and I'm oh, wearing a T-shirt. Geez. And this is these are T-shirts all made by Johnny Olson. He's on Twitter as Johnny Ozart. So check out at Johnny Ozart. Check out these posters he made. Like Dorian is going to show us these posters. He made these incredible posters. <laughs> Of the uh, amazing comic book adaptations for both myself as Doctor Strange, he did uh, Ro- oh, he did Robert as Moon Knight. So that's M- Robert's T-shirt that he's wearing as Moon Knight, and there's the issue number one of Moon Knight <laughs> with Robert Meyer Burnett as Moon Knight. And then he made uh, an amazing uh, artwork of Amy as Squirrel Girl. That '90s Squirrel. Yeah, girl. the '90s Squirrel Girl, and then rocked a totally awesome comic book cover for Squirrel Girl. Ooh. And so we just wanted to say thank you so much. He did it last week for our birthdays. We got them in the mail, and we're like, look, let's rock and roll, and let's show these off the right way. So it took an extra week. But thanks again, Johnny Olson, for putting all that time and effort into making us these cool T-shirts and posters. We really appreciate them. And we're going to, like, once in a while, we're going to all wear these shirts. You're like, <laughs> what's up, everybody? So thanks again. It was a great kickoff to start about all this, all these different characters. So, like, let's start with let's start with the Marvel Universe. So we got movies, series, and streaming going on. We've got Phase 4. We obviously know they're going to be announcing that. Probably not at San Diego Con because Marvel's taken off a whole, you know, they're not going to be at Hall H. They don't need to be. They've got, look, we got Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out that weekend or whatever. It might even be out already. Who knows? Um, but, I mean, they might have, it, release it earlier than, you know, they've been doing that. Like, we'll drop it two weeks earlier or whatever. So it might premiere at San Diego Comic-Con. They, that's why they don't need to be in Hall H. But uh, Kevin Feige has stated they already have the next 10 to 15 years kind of mapped out 
for Phase 4. Now, we know we've got Spider-Man 2, we've got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We know that those are part of Phase 4. Uh, now we're hearing about Eternals writers being hired. We know that they're trying to buy Fox, so that means Fantastic Four and X-Men will be part of Phase 4, like we've predicted for you know the last, like I don't know how many months, a year now. It's like we've been like, yeah, Phase 4 is going to be Fantastic Four. Oh, you're crazy. Fox owns them. Suck it, baby. You know, I'm just saying, like, look, we didn't know it was going to happen, but we thought it positively. Look, it's positivity. <laughs> it's mind thoughts. It's, it's the like, secret, John. Yeah, you just think about something yeah. and it, it happens. It's just we, we will it into existence. No, we're just we wanted this to happen and a, a lot of people wanted it to happen in fact they saw that money they're like let's make that happen it still hasn't happened yet it could fall apart who knows but they've got their backup plan guess what it's called it's called the rest of the marvel universe there's literally thousands of characters who have untapped potential have not even used yet or touched yet we've got nova we've got the the it's limitless amy what do you think phase four is gonna what do you think it's gonna be well this is the thing i've really been struggling with is, is like and i've brought it up on the show before but it's sort of the like if you are Kevin Feige right now, do you have two separate comprehensive plans in place? Because I I can barely understand how he has one Marvel Universe living in his head. Right. Uh, because what's what sort of hurts is that, like, if they get... I want them to get the X-Men and Fantastic Four. I want that to be what happens. It will mean that other parts of the Marvel Universe go to the sideline and things play out differently from how they do in the comics because, obviously, we're going to be building on whatever the history ends up being. That will be the foundation for uh, going forward into the next phase. Um, and some of that stuff would have to sideline and uh, for the FF and the X-Men to come into it. I still want that to happen, but I also don't want them to lose any of the work that they might be putting into finding unexpected great characters to work with like and you know there's so much more they haven't tapped yet i'm not sure where the rights are for she hulk right but she's like currently a an avenger in the uh jason aaron ed mcginnis run she's a long time obviously mainstay of the marvel universe there's 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 so many more places for them to go so this is not a very concrete answer i hope it's avengers and, uh, i hope it's ff and x-men but I like I'm excited to see whatever it is. No, I think you brought up a good point. I do think that Feige and most of Marvel Studios have two separate lists. When this whole Fox merger started, they were like, here's phase four with the Fox merger. Here's phase four without it. What are your thoughts about phase four? Well, you know, I, I think they're I'm curious to see how Marvel Studios as a company moves forward because they can't expect to get billion dollar hits every single time. And, you know. The corporate world doesn't feel that way. They're going to expect Kevin Feige to hit that out of the ballpark. I mean, Ant-Man and the Wasp is probably going to get a huge boost because I think something's going to happen that ties it into Infinity War, mm. which will be interesting. But I don't see Ant-Man and the Wasp grossing a billion dollars. Right. And I'm curious, like, moving into Phase 4, they're talking 10 and, 50 year, in 10 and 15 years moving forward. What are the economics of that? Like, are, how are they going to spend that money and how are they going to effectively spend it and what are they telling their shareholders Disney what do Disney shareholders expect from the Marvel from phase four well it's funny you say that because Bob Iger just last week was telling the shareholders we've got a brand new property in fact he was I think he was telling them about the Eternals like saying we've got a brand new thing nobody knows about it's going to hit big this and that we're developing this outside of the Avengers the Avengers are never going to end we're going to keep making Avengers films but we also have this other thing now we had been talking about the Eternals in fact it was funny last week Jeff May was like you know he was on previously and he was like yeah I remember when I said the Eternals I feel really stupid I was like don't relax man most people are like not really aware of the Eternals and even if they were they didn't see the possibilities but we've been talking about it for months now about how the Celestials and all these breadcrumbs throughout all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies 
movies have been leading up to Thanos even being a deviant, one of the Eternals. Everything is tying into making this, at least for people who don't read comics, like, oh, yeah, of course. They're going to be like, yeah, it makes sense. What are your thoughts about the Eternals being that big film for Phase 4? It, it, it is a really interesting choice if that's going to be the linchpin because uh, while there are things about the Eternals that I'm fond of, it is it's it is very much ground that is ripe for reinterpretation. I think they can yeah. kind of do whatever they want. It'll be interesting for me to watch one of these films where I'm bringing a lot less baggage of like already loving and knowing the character. I'll be watching it a little bit a little bit more like a lot of people watch movies right now where they're like, I could take or leave this Doctor Strange guy, whereas I'm like, I already own the t-shirt. Like, right. uh, it's going to be very interesting, but it does present them with amazing opportunities where they can build whatever they kind of want it to be. Robert? I just want to see the Beyonder, John. <laughs> I mean, if... if, if, if With the white pull-up, you uh, know, yeah, do you yeah, want I, that? Or? No. no. But, uh, no, I'm kidding. I, I don't really want to see the Beyonder. But but I, I think for Phase 4, they've got a really interesting opportunity because, like you said, there's so many characters, but branching out into... They could do Young uh, young Avengers. They could mm. do... They could, they could go in all different directions. They're going to have to because... Uh, again, they just can't sustain this kind of income level. It's, right. it's movies don't work that way, and I think it'd be interesting to see them take maybe scale back and make a character film for thirty or forty million dollars, so that way it only has to make two hundred million, and they can incubate and see the same way they did Phase One. Actually, you know, they did your standalone Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man films, and they hit and they build off. You, you, the, the Iron Man One is a very intimate movie really it's it's basically about a struggle between uh, one dude and another dude that works at his company you know there's no apocalyptic world threatening shenanigans going on it's really a personal story and if they scale back to that and then build these characters and see what works so i think we're going to get a lot of diversity we're going to get a lot of different kinds of movies Mm -hmm. you know more wacky stuff like ant-man and the wasp we'll see more of that maybe modok will show up you never know i mean what if they did just a a balls to the wall maybe not r-rated deadpool comedy but 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 a a comedy much like ant-man and the wasp but even funnier you know who knows Well, Thor Ragnarok, yes, yes. Thor Ragnarok kind of almost falls into that category. It establishes that the audience will go with them, which I hope they take as a sign of how willing we are to have different flavors and versions of something while it's still being in the Marvel family, and that it shows what's possible in a really exciting way. Do you think... Oh, sorry. What? Well, I was going to ask, do you guys think that they could come out of the gate with a Thor Ragnarok-esque comedy, or does Thor Ragnarok work because we'd already set up the character through the standalone films and the Avengers? Well, I think, I mean, what Amy was saying is, like, they just established with Thor Ragnarok that it does work, and by doing that, now they could do something totally original but in the same vein. So, you know, they'd have to take certain cues, like, hey, advertise it in the same way that Thor Ragnarok was advertised. So there's certain elements that have to be there, um, but I think it's a hit-and-miss kind of thing, and everything that hits, they stick with. Things that miss, they get rid of. So I think the Marvel cinematic universe strategy is a, is working really well the yeah. way they integrate everything what big event series do you think they're going to pull from for phase four so even every single phase has had some big kind of event situation you have age of ultron now you have infinity war what is phase four going to be i mean obviously a fantastic four and the x-men do officially become part of the marvel cinematic universe 
it would be great to see something like Secret Wars, where all of those characters are integrated into this crazy throw in the Beyonder. I mean, literally, I mean, or, or are they going to do something like Annihilation? What do you think? What kind of a big story contest of the champions is very close to Secret Wars? It is that kind of like throw them all in a ring. I mean, are we going to see something like that? Or are we going to see something very different? Because the, every single one of these phases has this kind of big collective force. Now, with Avengers, I mean, it's everybody. And then we have two movies. Are they? How can they top that? I mean, I, I think that you are right that they will keep looking to the history of the comics. And sometimes very loosely, as with Age of Ultron, they just literally grabbed a title and a character and went. Uh, but, you, you know, I think that probably some version of something called Secret Wars, uh, like they might give it a rest before they put war back in the title. Right. But, like, uh, I think Secret Wars is a good bet. Once the FF and Avengers are on the table, they have a lot of big-name events that they can do, um, whether they go immediately into, like, the X-Men and Asgard have a lot of shared history that would be very interesting. Um, the X-Men Demon Dimensions could have a great history with Doctor Strange. Uh, they have a lot of, like, Annihilation is a great like thing to bring in that would tie your FF and your guardians together. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually weirdly, they, there's a lot of room for sort of mini sub crossovers. Um, I don't know what the most fertile ground will be since they do need to establish those people. But if you can establish them separately and then secret wars them together, maybe that'll work. Yeah, definitely Namor and all of Atlantis is something that's just bubbling under the surface, literally waiting to be a gigantic, you know, kind of earth war. But uh, what do you think? Well, you know, I was just thinking as you were talking, the, the I really like the X-Men and the Avengers uh, squaring off against one another because if if they have T'Challa marry Storm, mm. you've got you've got that personal connection that's, that which they like to spill over into these larger sure. larger battles. And if the mutants, however they're going to introduce mutants, maybe the mutants are just coming out, they're just manifesting themselves. And and I think that there'd be a really there's a there's a great ideological ground to cover with those kinds of things and all what happens through the X-Men with utopia and trying to create a, 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 a haven or Genosha or any of this stuff that went on, it, it seems that it, it would fit really well into their their universe. But keeping an, an X-Men Avengers conflict, you know, the mutant human, sure. I think could be really interesting. I think it's a great choice. I hope we see that cinematically. Now, television-wise, speaking in humans, they've been tossed, but we've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got renewed for another season, possibly even multiple seasons. We've got the premiere of Cloak and Dagger. When they announced that they were re- renewing it, they said this season plus possibly more. Oh, I missed that. So, yeah, I they, thought they announced like a specific next summer. Like no. I thought that was going to be the end. I think they just did it. It was like 13 episodes. Like It's a shorter run, but they were like, no, we might do more. Okay. But it feels like it's like them keeping those doors open. Cloak and Dagger's premiering very soon. Of course, we have all of the Netflix series. We've got Daredevil Season 3, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones Season 2. I don't know if they're going to do another Defenders. They're obviously already shot the Punisher Season 2. So, I mean, I feel like that Netflix universe, though, is very enclosed and works great with all of those characters. And I actually don't want to see that join the larger cinematic universe. They've referenced Thor and Hulk in, in in the different episodes, especially with Daredevil. But I don't need to see those characters. And, in fact, I'd, I'd love it if they do a season three or four. If it just continues in its own, like, pocket bubble, that's totally fine. Because we know that, uh, you know, they're going to be doing their streaming service. Now, with this streaming service, we know a lot of things are going to be popping over or just starting new. So we're a fresh start, like we talked about Ms. Marvel a couple weeks back. Mm-hmm. But 
Like, no, we were, oh, it would make sense that they could do a soft, uh, you know, intro in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., sort of like how they did the new Ghost Rider, how they've introed a lot of different characters. But wouldn't it make even more sense for Disney to just say, look, we're going to establish our own series and do a Ms. Marvel series and do a Moon Knight series specifically, strictly only on Disney streaming, just like how DC has done. What do you think about Marvel slash Disney with their new streaming service saying you can only find these here, Robert? I think they're absolutely going to do that. Uh, not only that, I think whatever that streaming series is going to be, they're going to tie it closer into the films. I, I don't think that there's going to be a bifurcation of their streaming. and, and Because what, what a great opportunity. Again, you use those streaming shows as an incubator, and if a character takes off, transition them into the films. Yep. And then maybe back to their own show. And I think it's great. There's, it, it, it's nice to see. I, I was telling somebody that the reason Infinity War worked for me so well is because it really captured the experience of reading a comic book event crossover. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to explain, like, when it, Crisis on Infinite Earths first came out, I couldn't wait as such a DC fan. And it, it was like, uh, it, I remember I equated it to seeing Aliens. I was just as excited to read the next issue right. of Crisis on Infinite Earths as I was to see Aliens in the theater. And because. It, to me, I made it, it didn't. There are stories that I love, and it made no difference. But I was deliriously excited to read that miniseries, and it, it, it didn't let me down. And that's what Infinity War was like. It was. I was trying to explain to people how excited I would get in my own mind, and I, they know this. Mm-hmm. Marvel knows this. Kevin Feige knows this. So I'm really expecting that we're going to get an explosion of great stuff out of the Disney streaming service. We're going to get shows we never thought there might be a Squirrel Girl sitcom. Who knows? There was supposed to be New Warriors. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, they, they are, they're making it, but I think it got pulled, and they might even be saving it for the streaming service. I know it was originally going to be on Life Form or whatever the heck. What is it called? Freeform. Freeform. <laughs> yeah, whatever the, you know, used to be ABC. ABC now we're like, oh, I, mean, I don't know what I am. Cloak and Daggers on that. So, I mean, you're, you brought up a great point. Like, one-shots that they did for their Blu-rays. Now, as we switch over to from instead of keepsake Blu-rays, which I'm going to still keep buying for the next at least 10 years, um, they are now going to be, like, streaming. Could they possibly, with, say, Avengers 4 or the, the next for Phase 4, could they say, we're going to do one-shots, like five one-shots that are exclusive to our streaming service where we've got these characters, but we do elongated or branching story arcs that are only available as a 15-minute or a 30-minute short called a one-shot where you get to see a little bit more from that one story. Well, how about this? They're, you know, they're making all these movies. They're basically shooting them all in Atlanta. Right. Wouldn't it be cool if, like, for streaming, they would do Marvel 2-in-1, and they would yeah. actually get cast members from... The, we saw how well it works in Infinity War. Yeah. They just find out who's game and shoot, like, an hour-long story using our major characters. Marvel 2-in-1 is a famous comic book title that would be a, basically a team-up. There is also Marvel team-up. Yeah, Marvel team-up mm-hmm. had Spidey. I mean, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I, these are great ideas. I worry about the sort of the practical barriers of like, yes. will they let the streaming people have the resources to make stuff that they will be happy to tie in together with? Will they be able to work together and coordinate? Uh, because, you know, I, art exists at a lot of different sort of levels of production, and you can, you can do amazing things on small budgets, but they are also going to sometimes be qualitatively different from what you would do if you had a lot more money. And... 
you don't want to end up with a mismatch there. Uh, yes. Um, you, you know, uh, you would want to be able to put the proper support behind what you're doing. Uh, and I don't really know what's going to be possible for streaming. But um, is there any reason I can't end up saying, yes, my favorite library of Marvel stories was told on the streaming service? There is totally not. Totally possible. I, I think you're 100% right in saying that. We're all hoping that they do that. But I think because Disney's a very smart company and we're all on the Disney payroll, we get the gold Ooh. croutons. Oh, Woo! so... um. I think because they're a smart company, they've looked at the failures and they've looked at all these other streaming services and their failures because they didn't spend enough money. They were cheap. And so it's sort of like they understand, like, you got to go in big. You got to go in hard, especially if you're competing with Netflix, who's just wantonly spending billion. They're like that series gets money. Why? Because even the Netflix shows get made for much less than you would spend on a network show. And I don't know. I disagree. I don't know the details. Yeah, that's not entirely true. So I I feel like Netflix is spending a lot of money and they're spreading it out quite a lot with movies and series. Now, Disney has to compete on that level. They can't go in smaller than that. If they're asking, like, hey, we want $14 a month, they have to compete on that level. They have to be like, we're providing our own series, we're providing our own movies, as well as this catalog of stuff that you've heard of, that you've seen. But you know what would be, like, I this is going to seem crazy, but what if, like, I would love to see an hour-long show about Steve Rogers in his civilian life. You know, as he's, for instance, trying to click off all those, the list of all the pop culture references sure. and the things that he doesn't know. And, you know, you're just watching, like, what does he do? When all we do is see Steve Rogers in the middle of these earth-shattering events. But I would love to see, like, what, how does he spend a Sunday? <laughs> like, he's not saving the world all the time. Right. And, and you, you know, you, Chris Evans is directing now. Mm-hmm. And if you had a great, these great writers and do these Marvel, and so they're already shooting a movie, maybe they take a week or an eight-day schedule just like they make a TV show. Sure. And they make these these cool Marvel one shots or the two in ones. I love the idea. You should just call that one the list. It's fifteen minutes. It's him <laughs> watching Star Wars. It's, I would love to see that. It's a great idea. What about the DC universe? So we got their movies. We've got series. We've got streaming. So the most exciting news that recently has happened with DC in period is their announcement finally of their streaming service. Now we've known for months and months and over a year now that they're doing a streaming service. The Titans is being involved. It's like a Marv Wolfman, George Perez, original Titans run, updated for now. And we started seeing pictures of Robin and Hawk and Dove. We're like, that actually looks pretty good. We have not seen any moving images yet. We have not seen the trailer yet. Uh, Jeff Johns is heavily involved in this. Then we started saying, oh, the Doom Patrol's in it. We started hearing and seeing a bunch of different things like, uh, Trigon's going to be involved. I mean, you're like, are, is this is this even real life? Sort of like you start to freak out a little bit. Then the announcement comes. We knew about Harley Quinn animated series. They got the Young Justice animated series. Then we hear about you know Metropolis. It's on ice right now. While they re- refigure whether it's going to be like X Files with Lex Luthor and Lois Lane. Hopefully they don't do that. They're refiguring that. Then they announced Swamp Thing as a series with James Wan attached as the executive producer. Never in a million years that I think that though that's the thing exactly what I wanted. Mm. Never did I think that would actually become a reality. And then just a couple weeks ago, Doom Patrol gets announced. And they're like, look, we did this spinoff and the Titans. Everybody loved it. 13 episodes of the Doom Patrol with a little flavor of Grant Morrison. You're like, this can't be possibly real. But it is. And I feel like those are all the right moves that a company that's starting a streaming service needs to do. Now, also in their back pocket is the entire animated catalog of Batman, Superman, the Justice League, every the Teen Titans. They have so many, so much animated content. They have all of the Warner Brothers films. I mean, there's so many animated movies that they've released. They've got 
the Christopher Reeve Batmans. I mean, Christopher Reeve Superman. They've got Michael Heaton Batman. So, I mean, they've got like a whole archive of older films. And then they're starting with like, and here's our new series. What do you think about what? I mean, what else can they possibly announce? If you're on the fence, if you're like, nah, Swamp Thing doesn't do anything for me. I'm not so sure about Teen Titans. What would push you over the edge? On the DC streaming service, what could possibly be the thing that'd be like? You've got my nine ninety five immediately, Robert Sandman. Sandman. <laughs> now that is a Sandman is, and you know you got to do it right. You just adapt issue by issue, story by story. You've got seventy five great episodes there, and and you know one of the great things. It's my favorite comic series of all time because it's a comic book series that's about storytelling itself. Yeah. And, and it, it, it could be so wonderful. And there's so many ch- opportunities. Stylistically, you could do one arc that's all animated. You know, who, the P. Craig Russell story that he did with, with oh. William Shakespeare. I mean, it, it, there's so many things you could do. I mean, it could be a wonderful destination television show or streaming show that everybody would have to watch. Love so to see it, that. I'm curious because if you, like, as someone who agrees that Sandman is basically a peerless work... Uh, I would love to see it all adapted, but the kinds of artists who would bring that to life would be the kinds of people who would want to do their own stories. So how do you navigate around the fact that, like, if you had someone good enough to bring that stuff to life, they would not. They would be desperate to add their own new stories to that thing. Yes and no. I think it's like with every adaptation, it's like they every adaptation. The, it's Neil Gaiman wrote it for the comic book. Yeah. There has to be a transi- translation. There has to be an adaptation, and every director would adapt and translate that differently. No matter what the script, if it was a script verbatim, you get this one director, you get that one director, you get that one. You have three different directors. What the outcome of that same script? would be would be radically different Mm. so i feel like if they wanted to have that kind of flavor they would be like they have one house director who's 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 directing the main threads and then they hire all these different directors to tell those different stories once he starts to really go off into those different worlds that's a great way i mean you know like a true detective for hbo it's a different it's a different series but you had you had the same director well in the first season directed all i think it's eight episodes carrie fukunaga yeah yeah. carrie and it was Incredible. Yeah. And if you approach the different Sandman arcs in that way, where you've got a writing directing team, look at what Weiss and Benioff have done with Game of Thrones. Yeah. I mean, they've adapted Game of Thrones, but you'd get so much interesting flavor. Like, it would be great to get an Asian filmmaker to come in and do the Dream Hunters, which was a later, or right. and do it in I don't know some Japanese woodblock style, or I don't know. How, <laughs> Let's I don't not know how get too trend. crazy, but <laughs> no, but it, you I could do saying, you could though. do something that'd be great. But then again, what would be the you'd have somebody playing Dream? You know, right. who would that be? And that person would would stay the same, and the cast members would stay the same. But you could do these wildly different styles. You, could, go, you could get pretty wild. I don't know about the Japanese woodblock. Maybe not. Be like, be like you've just thrown the whole audience under the bus. Be like I. I was into it until the woodblock episode, and then I was like, Can I, they couldn't follow it. But maybe but if they you did could. it like Kubo and the, and the two strings. Maybe they could. Yeah, you're right. I would love to take this moment to shout out, while we're talking about Sandman, uh, that they are about to add a bunch of pieces to that mythos. Yes. There are four new Sandman books uh, coming out the starting this summer with a one-shot that'll split off into the four. They announced the writers of them some time ago, all sort of Neil Gaiman's hand-picked team to do this, uh, to expand that universe and to bring these characters back. But they finally announced the artists. And it's rad. Please go they? check it out. Uh, Bilquis Evely is doing one of them, uh, who I know their name from uh, Wonder Woman fill-ins uh, for the Greg Rucka run that okay. just ended. Exquisite. Exquisitely beautiful. Uh, Tom Fowler, I think, has one of them. Um, and I did not memorize the other two names, but they all, all right. look fantastic. 
fantastic. Look that up. That sounds fantastic. You know, the DC uh, FU, the DC film universe that we've talked about so many times. I'm calling it that. Um, <laughs> the film universe, I'm always going to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, D- the DC universe is the streaming service. Um, so we've heard <laughs> that Steven Spielberg is going to be doing a Blackhawk movie that got, that was like, my God, someone <laughs> there is finally doing something right. I know it's 2021 or 20, I don't know. How, I might be dead by the time it comes out, but I might see a trailer for it. Um, that's great to get Steven Spielberg involved in doing Blackhawk. Just like it was like, that makes so, makes so much sense, especially after Wonder Woman being such a success. They're like, hmm, yeah, that's right. So it's almost like, <laughs> duh. But at the same time, I never saw it coming. Now they've got Aquaman. They've got Shazam. They've got Wonder Woman 2. They've got New Gods, supposedly. So we've got those four movies, at least one and a half are one is done and in the can they're doing water effects the other one's just finished shooting shazam one room and two is like starting principal photography literally in the next month um, and they've started hiring people for Batgirl and Birds of Prey, although they've made many announcements like this before that then turned out to I know I, you have to wait until the principal photography starts shooting that's yeah. how I am I want to see that <laughs> slate I don't care if it's shooting video I want to see that slate and then I'm like it's finally begun so new gods is still a ways off um are these films, these four films, gonna, are they enough to course correct where the DC universe is right now? So petering close to the edge of nothingness. I mean, it's, so, it's sort of like it's for myself being a giant DC fan. It's been so disappointing to see them like like second guess themselves into nothingness. It's literally like if you followed the course, you'd at least have these certain movies that then you could change the direction from. But instead, it's like this erratic, strange thing where I don't want to even see them anymore. I'm like. That's me personally. So I'm like, I do want to see Shazam. I do want to see Wonder Woman 2. I do want to see Aquaman. I specifically want to see New Gods. I have hope that all of those films can be amazing. What do you think, Amy? I think there's a lot of reason to hope that those movies can work well. I don't know what to hope for in terms of a broader DC universe. It it feels more like returning to the many, many years during which there was not a Justice League movie and we did not expect there to be a Justice League movie. Right. Like, And that's a little bit... Like, it's strange not to know what to hope for because I really want each of these movies to be excellent and my comic book instincts will always be shouting that if they're DC and they're excellent, they should know each other. Right. Um, But they have some baggage, obviously, going on that might... Like, you can't go forward with the exact same template that just didn't work because you need people to be enthusiastic and you need them to show up. So... I am stuck in a bit of a bind. I think putting, like, looking individually forward to these films and then sort of resting back and focusing on the other versions of the DC universe until I wait for whatever's next is kind of where I am. Well, yes, Robert, what do you think? Well, I think, look, I think everybody likes the idea of these movies. Like, if if there was another Justice League movie coming out, I'd be like, great, I would get excited for it. I think we're going to see a Wonder Woman movie that's going to turn out to be great. I think we're going to see an Aquaman movie that I think is going to probably be great. I think people are going to love Shazam. And I'll tell you what, I I will bet your bottom dollar that after Mission Impossible Fallout comes out, they announce a new Superman movie that Chris McQuarrie is going to direct, Mm -hmm. and he's also going to write it. It's going to be an auteurist Superman movie, and I'm deliriously excited for that. I have, By the way, I have no knowledge of this. I just think it's going to happen. When actors work with directors that they enjoy. Clearly, they must have had a great rapport. Mm-hmm. I know Tom Cruise loves working with, with sure. Chris McCork. I've, I've known Chris. He's a, he's a really smart guy. And we're going to see more of that. And, and having a strong Wonder Woman, Superman, and Aquaman film, bring on the Justice League too. That's what they want. 
I would love to see that too. I would love to see Tom Cruise cast as the villain for the Superman movie. I, I want to see Chris McQuarrie announce that. If we have to wait another month and a half for San Diego Comic Con for the Superman movie to be announced, it's not going to be called Man of Steel 2. I can guarantee you it's just going to be called Superman because they have not done that movie yet. They had Superman the movie, they have not done an individual Superman movie. It's about time to give Henry Cavill his due. He's been a great. He's been a great support, you know, like, all right, I'm putting in, all right, you know, it's like, yeah, you're not Superman yet. I want to see the Superman as as he could play it. And with Chris McQuarrie, an, a super talent. Like, I haven't seen Fallout yet, but I loved Ghost Protocol. I thought that was great. Well, he, I love Rogue, I love I loved Rogue Nation. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I was like, Brad Bird did, you know, we've got Incredibles 2 coming out. So, Brad Bird, quota filled, and now we got... You know, the guy who did Rogue Nation has returned to do, uh, what is it called? Uh, Follow. Oh, yeah. And the trailers look fantastic. It fantastic. looks like just more of the same. Keep upping and plussing. I've never seen a series go six six movies, and I like each of the movies more than the last one. So that says something. I really hope that he's like, hey, Henry Cavill, all he has to do is ask. I think he's like tugging. He's like, well, you know, I'm asking. Oh, so, right. you know, we've got the Flash. We've got the directors from Game Night. Now they're not doing Flashpoint. They're like, no, we're rewriting everything. And we kind of guessed that when all the Just League stuff started happening. And they finally said, well, we got these guys, and it's still called Flashpoint. It's like, not for long. Because there's no way they're going to tie anything into Just League. That's over. So now all those ideas for those films that they had announced, those aren't going to happen. They have to rethink their entire universe moving forward and course correct in the best way. And what's the best way? Henry Cavill is the best way to course correct. If you don't already have Gal Gadot, you've got Henry Cavill. And those are the two people who are like, we're in it. Wonder Woman 2 is shooting. He's been ready to do a Superman sequel for like six years now. So... I could see that really course correcting the entire film universe so that by the time we come around to 2020 and we get to Matt Reeves, the Batman, everybody's back and enthused about this DC universe. Those are the thoughts and hopes that I have that the DC streaming universe and the film universe are able to make sense of each other, make everything work. So, I mean, that's a lot to hope for. Um, We've got one thing that we've got that's working, though, is the CW universe. So we have a TV universe that is pretty much unparalleled to any of the other comic universes on television. Yeah. I mean, Greg Berlanti alone has like done like I think he's got six series on right now. I mean, he's got fourteen in production, fourteen series going on that are all DC related. I mean, it's pretty fantastic. And hats off to him. He's a guy who was involved in Green Lantern in the movie. Look what he's done. He's done. He's built an empire on television by being smart about it, by being by playing all those characters off of the comics and bringing a sensibility, a soap opera sensibility that's necessary in television to work so that you have enough story to go for 22 episodes. You don't have those kinds of budgets in movies. What are your thoughts about the DCCW universe, Amy? I mean, I find it incredibly impressive. They made a lot of sort of... They, like, they... We talk a lot about... Some of the choices they made, we would rag on if somebody else made them on a different show, but they sort of... They they Trojan horsed in everything we want um, by That's sort a good of way of putting it. like yeah. by by being like look we understand that you need it to be like soap opery so people will know kind of what they're getting into and then we're gonna sneakily like do everything that we want to do under that guise while maintaining the stuff that that audience that came to it wants out of it they've somehow done both and like. You know, if it had just been season one of Arrow and it had never led to anything else, I might be sort of like, oh, they made this compromise and they made that change and they did that. But because they sort of, they proved their point by executing this expanded vision of interconnected, wonderful, varied shows. uh, And and like, I'm just astonished by it. 
I'm so happy it exists. Well, I just well put. Uh, I, you know, I never thought I'd see the Dominators on a TV show. Right. <laughs> you know, not only did I see the Dominators, but there was a four-part crossover. Then they're doing Earth X crossover. I mean, craziness. They're doing. They're just coming up the same way that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is looking to their comic books for inspiration, and they're looking to see what works. Well, that's what Berlani's done too. Is they're looking at the comic book source material, and they're not adapting it directly, but they're they're going back because it's all there. And we've we've lived in a world where people, comic books were seen as this, you know, they're not serious enough. There there was a prejudice, I think, in the creative community, at least people that were making films, they weren't looking at comic books in the right context. Right. I, as a lifelong comic book reader, I never didn't take comics seriously. That was the medium I happened to be enjoying at that point, and I was really into the story. I, I didn't ghettoize the genre in my mind. Right. You know, it was it was awesome. And someone finally figured out that, well, yes, they are awesome. We can figure <laughs> out, we can tell great stories because that they're already doing it. And so let's go back into that material. It seems like it would be academic for people, but no, this is only a recent phenomenon. It's only the, re, literally, really, the only the last decade. And I would yeah. say from 2008 on, because, yeah, we had hits and misses, but we had, you know, X-Men, we had Spider-Man, we had Batman Begins. Those were like one-offs. The, the perception to the globe was their one-offs. Oh, there's that one Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, he has underoos. Batman, of course, that makes sense. They were one-offs. Of course, you mentioned Blade. That was the jump-starting thing. But, like, X-Men, Spider-Man, Batman, those were one-offs. And it didn't, the machine didn't actually start to roll properly until you had Dark Knight and you had Iron Man and for lesser or worse, the Hulk. You had these films that were like, that just started everything going. And then literally, if you look on, you know, we were doing a series where we broke everything down. We still have our last episode to do, but we have a, a seven-part series. You can watch the evolution of Marvel and DC comic books from, you know, from the 40s all the way up to now. And it's incredible the output that happened just from 2008, where it's literally impossible to cover in a half hour or an hour long show versus all the other ones where you're like, yeah, Doc Savage. And, you know, and you were like, what are, what are these, you know, the, you know, the shadow and then maybe something else once every three years. Now there's like eight or nine movies and that's, we have 15, 20 series. I mean, it's quite amazing we possibly have, getting back to the CW, we possibly have a Batwoman series and Gotham City being introduced now, that is definitely happening, being introduced into the Arrowverse. Now, we have a Gotham series that's on Fox that's ending after its fifth season. I wonder if that correlates because they were like, no, it's the fifth and final season. They made that announcement straight up. It's over after this fifth season. So do what you will. Throw Batman in there. We don't care. Whatever happens, uh, Jeremiah, Joseph, Jingleheimer Schmidt, whatever. It's not going to be called the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> Do what you will. Have all the villains ha hanging out and having breakfast. I like that show to a certain degree. I've seen a couple episodes where I'm like, this is such a weird show, such a bizarre anomaly that it kind of works sometimes and most of the times it doesn't. So whatever they're going to do with their fifth season, I'm in. I want to see. I'm going to watch it all of the, all 22 episodes. I'm committed to their final episode because at least it, I know it's going to end. It's probably going to end with a bang, hopefully. Maybe it's just Batman. Like, I'm Batman. Who knows how they're going to end it, but we've got Gotham City. Can I throw a super left-field thing in yeah. there about the future of the DC Universe and adaptation? Uh, it's just something that I think they should look out for. 
uh, because as we're seeing, like now that you're taking advantage of the these characters uh, in a much more like rich and, and and certainly like numerous way than they ever did before, you also uh, need to look at like the the story. Looking to the stories makes sense, and being aware that you're still telling new stories. Uh, there's two lines of comics that DC just announced uh, a few months ago: DC Inc. and DC Zoom. They're kind of confusingly named. One of them is for like younger readers, and one is for like middle grades or something, okay. uh, or young adult. Um, and th- they have some really fantastic talent attached to these books. And it is possible that like uh, that they that this will not have an effect. But one thing they need to be prepared for that we've talked many times about, for instance, Marvel didn't know when they were putting Avengers into motion that they were about to have a Matt Fraction version of Hawkeye that everyone would fall madly in love with. Right. And you have to sort of stop and be open to the idea that some new version of something might come out that we are all then going to be mad forever we're not seeing. Yeah. So one of the exciting things is we might not even know if like there's a new version of Green Lantern coming in a standalone all-ages graphic novel. It's a different kid with a different family backstory that gets the ring. Right. And if we all lose our minds over it, they have to be open to the fact that, like, oh, maybe we're about to have the next great idea coming in. Right. That must be exciting but scary because um, you never know. You don't know, like, the, the DC superhero girls line right now, like, it, maybe it'll end up reshaping the characters people demand because a whole generation is growing up with those that'll be like, well, this person's a main character, and the rest of us will be like, they are? And they'll be like, yeah, they start in, like, 25 graphic novels. You're absolutely so right. So that's my, my thing about the future of DC is, like, there's even more than we know to talk about. There's work being done right now by writers and artists putting their whole hearts into new stuff. That's so exciting. Well, I was going to say uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur <laughs> is a relatively new thing, a venture for Marvel. It was like no one even knew who the hell Devil Dinosaur is, a Jack Kirby character with Moon Boy. Mm-hmm. They were like, hey, let's add Moon Girl. That was a hit series, and now it's a hit. An- well, it's not a hit animated series yet, but they're ordered 26 episodes, and it's being animated right now. So that's exactly what you're talking about. Marvel's got that synergy, hoping that DC will have that too and be looking for it as well. Well, yeah, again, the the now that you're seeing the Marvel Cinematic Universe has sort of changed the way everyone is around town is looking at this kind of thing. Everybody wants their own cinematic universes. They all want them to work. It's really just a question in the case of DC, there's it's too corporate, you know, the way these decisions are right. made, willy-nilly, haphazard. I think we're going to find, they're going to start putting people in place that know their stuff, that really know how to run these franchises correctly because they're tired of them not running correctly. And the fact that people are still, everyone, release the Snyder Cut. I mean, I think they, I, it's crazy. The, the Snyder Cut will never be released. But Let's it, just say it openly to everyone who's, like, demanding a Snyder Cut. There will be no Snyder Cut, just so you know. I, I just think it's interesting that they made this bizarre choice in the middle of making that movie where they replaced Zack Snyder who I, I still don't understand why because his movies have all his super it's have made money super bizarre and weird. So weird I mean the only way that there will be a Snyder cut is if they hire Zack Snyder to do it Right. That's why I'm saying there will be none because I don't see that ever happening so I'd love to be wrong because I want to see the Snyder cut but it's like people demanding for it it's like there's a lot of things that would have to happen. But guess what? What we do have is the comic book pull list. And you can go into your comic book store and read these tasty comic books, starting with Kill or Be Killed, number 19, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Literally killing it with this series. Love this series. <laughs> number four, we've got the return of Jim Chung in Marvel 2-in-1. Amy, we were talking about Marvel 2-in-1. This is number six. 
Love that artist. I know he's busting off to go do Just League, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. He's a great artist. Chip Zartsky's writing a really fun comic book series. Check that out. Doomsday number Doomsday Clock number five. I know they've like been like another entering the Watchmen phase where they're like every comic is three months late. I'm like, stay, Jeff. Don't repeat history like like I had to deal <laughs> with with Watchmen when it first came out when I was like in college. You bastard. What the hell's wrong? I know it's not your fault. You've already had this stuff written. It's Gary Frank. I'm mad at you now. No, I'm not mad at anybody. It's just to do that kind of art, they were like, look, it's just going to take time. And he ran out of time. And now everything's late. But I'm going to wait for you. Episode five. Like I said, I'm going to I'm gonna read Doomsday Clock till issue six. And I want it to kick into high gear. Because for me, issue five of Watchmen kicked into high gear. It was already, I was already in. And then, oh, my God, issue five happened. So it's a lot to live up to. Number two, speaking of living up to, Brian Michael Bendis. His last week, last week was Iron Invincible Iron Man over at Marvel, number 600. Now he's at Man of Steel, number one, doing a little John Byrne action. Brian Michael Bendis and Ivan Reese are doing a limited series, Man of Steel, and then launching right into Superman, number one, which Brian Michael Bendis is going to write along with Action Comics, keeping their numbering system for that. So I'm really excited about that. And then finally, we've got Amazing Spider-Man number 800, Dan Slott, Stuart Amonin. What can you say, Red Goblin? I mean, it's like I literally came late to the party on this one and rapidly picked up the last like 12 issues. It's so much fun. Let's talk about this list. Amy, what, what, what do you think about it? I mean, huge week, obviously. We're all very, very excited to see what Man of Steel is going to be. It's yeah. going to be very interesting. It's a six-part series, and there's a different artist on each book. But in theory, everything, like, it's all part of the plan. And this is, like, this is brand new territory. It's very exciting. I don't know if we'll like all of the changes. Right. Um, but we'll we'll see what's going to happen. Uh, this is a fantastic list. Uh, obviously, Spidey 800, Stuart Eminent, anything he does is going to be beautiful. Uh, Chip Zdarsky, I just love. Jim Chung, I just love. Read all these books. Yeah, Spider-Man 800, this is the highest number that Marvel's ever gotten to. I mean, obviously, Action Comics is at 1,000, but... Um, it's pretty fantastic. You know, this is a great Both of those week. books cheated by going weekly at different points. I know. There's all, for those there's doing math at home. There's a lot but. of cheating going on with these numbers or whatever. <laughs> but what do you think, Robert? Well, I, first of all, you turned me on to Kill or Be Killed and, and, and during we comic book shopped at your right. store. Uh, I can't get enough of that. But I, 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 something I love, a lot of people don't like Bendis. I love Brian Bendis' work. I think his character work, like Jim was saying, his it's so good. And and whether it was Alias, I mean, I started Bendis, I started really reading because of Alias. If you haven't read the original Jessica Jones stories, do mm. yourself a oh, favor. Yeah, and, and all of his stuff, I, I was always struck by how human, he humanized those characters. I can't wait to see what he's going to do with Superman. I can't wait. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I mean, he's had a great run at Marvel. I'm very excited to see what he does over at DC. And anyone who loves comics should be equally excited. There's some honorable mentions. Saga number 52, Lazarus 28, Descender 30, Rockstars 10, Royal City 11. So don't forget to subscribe to Collider Heroes. We're just jumping right into Get On This Podcast. Podcast One, you can get Collider Heroes. Subscribe specifically and never miss our Monday or Wednesday shows when we do them. I want to thank Robert and Amy for being on the show. We got sweaty. It's time to go. I'll see you in a couple days. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. 
participating stores. Standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 